It's September 2014. Conchita Wurst has just won Eurovision. Scotland has voted against independence from the UK, and Brexit seems quite remote. In Spain, summer is still keeping people warm, but spirits are low, as the country's men national football team has been kicked out of the World Cup after six years of strong tiki-taka performance. But just as workers were going back to the office, the financial district in Madrid is about to be blown away by news no one could expect. Francisco García Paramés, Paco, the most influential value manager in the country, was leaving Best in Bed, the small company he'd helped become one of the biggest asset managers in Spain. Paramés is the perfect example of a great star manager in Spain. He's radically changed the asset management industry in Madrid. He definitely was a pioneer in Spain. He was the first and a lot of people are doing what he does. There's no one in the Spanish industry who doesn't know who Paramés is. Paco Paramés left Bestimber abruptly, with his loyal team following suit. The move was such a shock to the Spanish industry and the firm that he suddenly found himself with two years to spare. A gardener leave that would keep him away from the market and free him some time to write a book and prepare the big comeback his investors were waiting for. However, things didn't quite turn around as the financial community expected. In September 2016, Paramés decided surprisingly to go solo instead of joining his former colleagues at a new venture. And some people weren't happy about it. Things have never quite settled with Best in Bed. Damage was huge and Paramez even acknowledged that it was a mistake to leave in such a way. The management of his departure and that of his team and his replacement was like a soap opera. After those two years, no one thought he wouldn't join his old team. They were the people he hired and formed. Why wouldn't he do it? Often called the Spanish Warren Buffett, he played the same role Steve Jobs did with Apple. He trusted his value investing style more than anyone could have imagined at the time. And he escaped unwounded the dot-com crash and the great financial crisis, generating outstanding returns over two decades. But nothing lasts forever. He's still very popular, but over the past few years, his performance hasn't lived up to what his name once meant. His guru aura he hasn't completely lost it, but that good memory has been diluted in some investors and in the financial sector. But I think people should lose sight of the fact that he revolutionized as a management in Spain. He, he basically broke what was a very unsophisticated way of doing things, and he showed that things can be done different. And then he proved that with success, with track record over time. And that, that's a fact, right? I think going forward, he's going to do very well. He has the right mindset and the right philosophy. He has lost his touch. Or can he get back to his best returns? Well, we'll see. As value strikes back in 2022, so does Paramés. Having kept body and soul together after a plane crash in 2006, one thing is clear. He is a survivor. This is the Paramés paradigm. It's early in year 2000. The world hasn't ended, as many wrongly predicted, and the frenzy for technology stocks remains as hot as temperatures in the beaches of Palo Alto. The internet is taking over the world, and the Nasdaq index keeps reaching new record highs. A couple of years earlier, the Globe.com had been the first online social network going public, with a market cap of $840 million, at the time the biggest IPO in history. Shares were initially at $9, climbing all the way to $97 before closing at 63.5 that day. 
But a 37-year-old man sat in an office in Madrid was not impressed. He believed that an eventual huge decline in valuations was in the making since 1998, precisely the year when the pair of youngsters managing the globe.com reached a net worth of $100 million each. During this time, Paramez struggled to find, in his view, fairly valued companies. He decided to avoid banks and tech, dipping in oil and other value-oriented stocks, but mostly focusing on small and mid-cap companies that were falling under the radar of those trying to benefit from the rally. If in doubt, Paramez preferred not to be invested. He saw how clients questioned his job and even suggested where to invest. It was what he calls in his book the euphoria at the end of the cycle, the one which can only be defeated with time and patience. He had to personally visit clients to put them at ease and prevent them from making any risky moves. However, some left, and for the first time in his career, he had to hold his ground and trust his method over the noise from outside. The pressure was such that this was the only time Paramus thought twice about managing other people's money. It's worth remembering that this is the time when Terra, a subsidiary of telecommunications group Telefonica, now the second largest company in Spain behind Santander, got to be worth almost more than the parent firm. Everything internet was trading at ridiculously expensive multiples, even though these companies weren't making a penny. This is Miguel Moreno Mendieta, reporter for Spanish financial newspaper Cinco Dias for the past 18 years. To his point, Terra's IPO market cap was 3.5 billion euros. Three months later, it peaked at 47.7 billion. That's more than Spanish blue chips, Repsol and BBVA. 1999 was a big party for the Nasdaq Composite. The index ended the year with a 65% rise, following a 56% increase a year earlier. The outcast, Paramez, saw his Spain-focused strategy best informed fall 11%, while the Best in Bear International Fund dropped 15%. However, everything started to fall apart in March 2000. Since 1995, the index had gained 400%, reaching a now laughable record high. However, it failed to reach 5,000 points earlier in the year. With valuations as stressed as possible, it was every man for himself. By the end of the year, the Nasdaq had fallen 38%, with the best in fund strategy rising 13% and the best in bear international fund up 18%. To prove this was no lucky charm, a year later the Nasdaq fell 14%, while Best in Fund rose 20% and Best in Bear International gained 17%. I think these returns were praised by the Spanish industry. He knew how to dodge this massive sell-off and perform better than his competitors. The way he was positioned was no news when everything collapsed. He had been warning for months in his quarterly reports about the absurd valuations in tech stocks. This big win saw Best Inver's inflows increase substantially, eventually managing more than 10 billion euros, which is quite remarkable for an independent firm. In fact, none of the other firms that were born after his departure from Best Inver have ever seen such numbers. This would be the first time Paramez successfully defied the market. But how did he do it? How could a manager with just under 10 years of experience could have foreseen one of the greatest stock crashes in history? As 1963 was coming to an end, Paramez was born to the green lands of Galicia in the north of Spain. The country, ruled by dictator Franco, was oblivious to the fact that She Loves You was preparing the world for Beatlemania. 26 years later, Paramus joins Best in Bear as a financial analyst just after graduating in economics. 
He defines himself as an introvert, and he never pushes anyone to invest. In fact, it took his father over a decade to invest in one of the funds managed by his son. However, in his view, this attitude has proved beneficial in his investment career. I would describe him as a, as a good, honest person, and I found him to be very, always very loyal to his friends and, and his family. Andres Allende, managing partner at Spanish firm A&G Private Equity, worked with Paramus until 2021. After four years side by side at Cobas, the company Paramus would set up after his two-year gap. He knows him well. I, I had met Paco back in the UK, where I'd been working for quite a few years, and I really liked him. We we, we got on very well. We we were exchanging ideas, etc. But I must say one thing though: I don't think Paco is relaxed just because. He has things control. I think he is just like that. <laughs> you know, he's just met his own sort of perfect set- setup or place. So, you know, I think, for example, it's different from there's some managers out there, people who became very famous because they were very good at something, got to be running billions. They grew over the, the, the mothership company in a sense. So they said, I'm, I'm going, to, going it alone. And then when they did that, they started to do different things. Perhaps they got overconfident or perhaps they thought they were something else. Whereas Paco's just staying through what he was doing before in Bessemer and, and now it's just doing the same thing. Insightful and meticulous are other ways people used to describe him. Peter Smith, a former analyst at Cobas, says managing money is a way of life for his former boss. To be, to be honest, I mean, we spend 90% of our time talking about stocks. Talk about stocks in the office, in the hallway, in the cab, the airport, at the Christmas party. Smith worked with Paramus for a couple of years, but it wasn't as straightforward as you would think. A friend of mine at LBS was was able to get us a coffee uh, with Paco, and you know the first thing I did was you know pitch him a couple of stock ideas, and then I asked him for 10 million euros to, to start a fund with. Obviously, he looked at me as if I was insane, having just met the guy uh, five ten minutes earlier, and of course nothing directly came from that first initial meeting, uh, but I was able to stay in touch with him, uh, and luckily the ideas that I pitched him worked fantastically well. Uh, and then one day he, he invited me to come to Madrid. He said, I'm starting a new a new venture. It's going to be called Cobus. Would you like to come join me? And I told him, no, I don't want to be your analyst. <laughs> uh, I, I want my own funds. How about 10 million euros? Uh, yeah, and then he, you know, he, he laughed and he said, well, how about we work together you know, and see how we get on and if we like each other? And so I said, OK, I could be your analyst for, for a bit. About the 10 million euros, well, Smith eventually started his own fund, Palm Harbor Capital based in London. Uh, well, I've already set up. We, we launched uh, three years ago. We launched with uh, yeah, three or four million euros. I asked for 10 million euros. I, I didn't get 10 euros. million euros, by the way. So, but that's what I asked for. <laughs> After two years as an analyst at Best in Bear, Paramez decided to ask if he could start managing funds. He saw how those more senior to him said they were seeing few white hairs and too much of wearing shorts. Eventually, he was given the chance and it took him only a few years to become instrumental for the company. We shouldn't forget that back then, the Spanish industry was controlled by big banks, and suddenly this small investment firm starts to become stronger and stronger. Sandra Sánchez is a reporter for Spanish financial newspaper Expansión, with 12 years of experience in the field. Until the arrival of Paramis, there wasn't really a company that would offer more returns than your bank. So by studying Warren Buffett and Peter Lynch, he believed in an investing style that no one really trusted in Spain. Behind Bestinver is energy company Acciona and the Entrecanales family, a big name in the country. 
This combo with Paramis is what made the news of the divorce something so shocking, considering what they had achieved together for over 20 years. And then after his returns, you know, became very popular and there were many copycats or admirers who started to build a whole new industry away from the banks. And they were primarily value investors because of Paco. And he even actively encouraged them. He wanted to have the industry grow in Madrid. And I would say today, I mean, Madrid is second probably only to New York City as far as the quantum of value investors. And so yeah, the answer is yes, he, he's radically changed the asset management industry in Madrid. Maybe there's a similar case somewhere else, but he clearly set Warren Buffett as his model, achieving great results with Vestida. So I don't think it's exaggerated to call him the father of value investing in Spain. On September 29, 2008, the Dow Jones saw its biggest decline to date after the US Congress refused to pass the bank bailout that would have stabilized the country's financial system. Lehman Brothers, the fourth biggest bank in the US with about 25,000 employees all over the world, had just filed for bankruptcy 14 days before. The great financial crisis had begun, but Paramus was already in the know. I remember that just before everything started, you could hear him in conferences warning about the state of the real estate market and issues related to it, which would drag other sectors down, such as banks. It was as early as 2004 when Paramez and his team at Bestinberg noticed that economic growth in Spain wasn't built on solid ground and it was mostly based in credit. But again, going against the trend is never easy. He had been rejecting the companies driving the rally for a long time, and we see that often. When a manager is against something that is doing very well, it is widely criticised for rejecting investment ideas that didn't match with his. And that's what happened to Peramis. He wasn't alone, though. In 2006, JP Morgan and UBS both warned their clients of an impending crisis in the US housing market. Peramis, then the head of investments at Best in Bear, had started already to position accordingly. By now, the company was already growing more than anyone would have imagined. The year before the crisis started, this family office was managing 6 billion euros. At this point, Paramas had also hired a very competent investment team comprised of Álvaro Guzmán and Fernando Bernard, as well as head of investor relations Beltrán Parajes, who together would later set up their own venture. Paramas finds a very good team and takes their suggestion into account, so much that when accepting an award, he never wanted to do it on his own. He always wanted to be surrounded by his team. It might be true that both the industry and the press did their bit to fuel the star manager image we have of him. It was a new market crisis, but the Paramas formula hadn't changed. He would invest in defensive and exporting companies, staying away from lenders, construction firms and companies with high debt ratios. So, if they noticed that something was wrong that early in the day, why did they never short banks and real estate companies? Well, their view is that if they had, their fund would have incurred in terrible losses that would have produced serious damage before making any gains. This time, his success resonated even more because in Spain, the crisis of 2008 lasted until 2012, with the country on the brink of a bailout following the collapse of half of the financial system. Just before everything unfolded, in March 2006, Paramés and four other people had an airplane accident in Pamplona in the north of Spain. He survived alongside two other members of the Best in Bear team. Shortly after that, he decided to write a letter to his maker, Warren Buffett. He literally thanked him for existing 
and the Oracle of Omaha replied only a couple of days later, asking him for investing ideas in Spain. In his book, Paramus says he could not think of any that suited Buffett's philosophy, so he never replied. And that was that. Although Best in Bear saw it coming, many clients withdrew spooked by the increasing volatility in the market. For a few months in 2008, the firm saw daily outflows of up to 30 million euros. However, things didn't go worse thanks to a couple of takeover bits on substantial holdings that provided much-needed liquidity at the time. That year, the Spain-focused Besting Fund fell 42%, while the Besting Bear International Fund dropped 44%, roughly the same as the market. However, in 2009 and 2010, the first returned 60 and 19% respectively, while the latter saw gains of 72 and 25%. He'd done it again. And Besting Bear would grow even more, reaching over 10 billion euros under management. But things were about to change dramatically. We often talk about Paramis as a star manager, and this might seem a bit exaggerated if we compare him with a rock and roll star. But if I've seen anything like it in asset management, that was when he returned after two years away from the industry. Around 30 TV and radio reporters signed up, something I'd never seen before. He gave 12 interviews and even signed autographs to those who asked for them. Paramez had become a major name and that's why his comeback attracted attention from general news TVs and radios after two years of silence. But his departure in 2014 was just as shocking for the industry. A year before, he had decided with his wife to move to London for a couple of years. Initially, the reason was purely to enjoy the experience and give their children the chance to learn English in a native environment. But this was going to be the beginning of the end. It made perfect sense to him. London was a big European financial hub and it might have been good for the company to open an office in the UK. However, Acciona and the Entre Canales family weren't too interested in the proposition. During the summer of 2013, Paramus decided that he needed to have management control of a best in bear instead of just looking after investments. He tried to make it work with the company. However, after 15 months of unsuccessful negotiations, he thought it was just better to leave. There was leakage about some tensions between the parts, but you separate truth from gossip. There was even talk of Paramus being interested in buying Best in Bear, or to have a majority stake in it. There was talk about many things, but no one expected such a dramatic ending. And this is the point where things started to go a bit wild. The management of his departure and that of his team and his replacement was like a soap opera. This is Ruben Escudero, financial news reporter with over 14 years of experience, now writing for online newspaper El Español. Nobody expected his departure from Bestin Bear and his breakup with Acciona. It was sudden. It is the biggest shock that I have covered as a financial journalist in these years. The same thing happened to the rest of uh, the specialized newspapers or, or magazines. 
fue algo muy, muy impactante. Todo el equipo inversor y parte del equipo comercial. Son muchos procesos judiciales abiertos. Yo creo que con Best in Bed, things have never quite settled with Best in Bed. The damage was huge, and Paramés even acknowledged that it was a mistake to leave in such a way. Fue grande y el propio Paramés reconoció el error. Paramus indeed later accepted his part of the blame by saying that his exit was precipitated and in his book he says that it was mainly his mistake. At the time he thought he could have worked soon after his departure. Nevertheless, he said Acciona did not listen to his latest requests or accept an orderly transition until a substitute was named. Many investors reproached him for exiting Bessinver. This man who they trusted was leaving them wondering what to do with their capital. So I believe that is the first time he gets penalized. But I think the two years of non-competition really hurt him. Things get bad with Adfiona and the Entra Canales family, and then they make it a bit more difficult for him to come back to managing. El caso de Paramés o el caso, por ejemplo, de, de Bill Gross. I think Paramés's case, as well as that of Bill Gross, who left Pimco in a similar way, highlight the danger of relying on a specific manager too heavily. De una de una persona. Since then, all Spanish firms work hard to avoid things like this to happen again. Still, the Entra Canales family also deserves credit, as they decided to go on with a business model that wasn't quite working outside the banking system. After the breakup, Paramus spends the two-year non-compete period in London. Meanwhile, the rest of the team that followed him out of Best in Bear had none or shorter garden leave periods, so they start putting together what would become the new company, Asbalor. And so, things would get back to normal. The team would reunite after the short break and happily ever after. After those two years, no one thought he wouldn't join his old team. They were the people he hired and formed. Why wouldn't he do it? When speaking with them off the record, it was normal to ask when Paramez was going to join them and they would say, yeah, he's hiding under the table. They couldn't say anything, obviously. However, yet another plot twist was about to arrive. Paramez eventually does not join his old team at the new venture. So why change something that, that works? Why change something that's not broken? And then completely the opposite happened. Everything sort of blew up. You, you think that's probably a lose-lose situation for everybody, right? Ya tenían los fondos en marcha. Everything was in place. The funds were functioning, but then we heard that there had been some dispute that made it impossible. Understand that it was an issue with the size of the stakes in the new company. But, but then these are very smart people, right? So you, you, you say there's, there's something behind the curtain. What's that? That's intrigue, right? Turns out that Asvalor is very successful during the time when Paramez is punished. His team realized that they could manage the firm without a higher figure such as his. We will never know, though, if they would have gotten all that initial capital if people hadn't assumed that Paramez was going to join Asvalor. It's very difficult to know what happened there. I think only four people know what really happened and they are keeping the secret. But one can assume that someone wanted to keep a certain position and some others believed they could balance things out.
Yeah, so I don't think he ever said he would join them. I guess some people might say, I'd love there to have been a lot less drama (laughs) along the way, but the end result is probably making everybody happy. You know, people are where they want to be, and that's that's all good. I do think this is a bit of a taboo. No one wants to talk about it. Something clearly went wrong. Otherwise, they would have stayed together. Still, I think everyone managed to find its own space and they all keep their names intact. As opposed to the relationship with Bestenberg, I believe the air is clearer with Asvalor. There's fair play between them. After all, everyone got a similar piece of the cake in the end. Paramus never joined his former colleagues. He instead presented his book and founded his own company in 2016, two years after the breakup with Bestenberg. Gobas Asset Management was going to be his new project. Flash forward to 2022, just as he beat the dot-com and the financial crises, Paramus seems to be outperforming his peers once again. The growth sell-off following the pandemic has led to value strategies taking the lead as valuations among defensive and more traditional companies saw significant declines over 2020 and 2021. To prove it, here are some numbers. Using CTR data to September 2022, Paco Paramis was leading the Equity Europe value table over the past year with a 0.4% return, the only manager in the black at the time. In Spain, we're very short term and we forget that he beat the market systematically for 20 consecutive years. He's now seeing good results at a time when a crisis hits the market. He's now having good results in return of value, but with this investment style, I think you miss out on a few opportunities in innovation. Tesla and Google are good stocks he had never invested. That's proven they're good companies, and even Warren Buffett has gotten into tech. Warren Buffett, I think he's really, really happy that he now is in control of his future. And also, the way Bestinger has evolved, perhaps he wouldn't have suited him. It just feels Bestinger is, try- is trying to be a broader house with lots of more things going on, whereas he's very focused on bottom-up stock picking. Things, you know, happen for, for a reason and probably for good. And he's probably happy about very happy about it, I think. Thanks for listening. This is a CityWire Studios production written and narrated by Daniel Ruiz and produced by Neve Doyle and Daniel Ruiz. Overdubs by Chris Lowley and Neve Doyle. Special thanks to Sandra Sánchez, Miguel Moreno Mendieta, Andrés Allende, Peter Smith and Rubén Escudero for taking part in this episode. Stay tuned for more CityWire content in our website citywire.com. <laughs>